Welcome, one and all, to a new season of Talking T20. Yes, can you believe it? The World Cup final is now a distant memory. It's all of however many hours ago. We've all got ourselves roughly back on track. The tears have dried up. The salt rivulets are um, rather tastefully added condiment flavours to my chips. And I, Daniel Norcross, have reacquainted myself with a young man of the moment, Matt Roller from ESPN Creek Info. Uh, Matt, it's lovely to have you aboard. T20 Blast. Can you believe it's starting on Thursday? I mean, have we got over the emotions of what's been happening in the last six weeks? Are we ready for T20 yet? I'm not sure we'll ever quite get over the emotions of the last six weeks, especially Sunday. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to things kicking off Thursday night. Uh, a few interesting games to, to keep an eye on. And, uh, yeah, I think... This this uh, it's quite an interesting season for the Blast, isn't it? Because the the last one, when it's the main uh, short form competition in the UK, it's the last one where the counties are playing T20, and that is the supposed sort of highlight of the county summer. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to things getting going. Well, we're going to have a look in some depth at the runners and riders. We're going to take a look at both groups. We're going to see which overseas stars uh, are coming over to England for this year's Blast. As Matt says, it's the last really high-profile blast we've gotten is the last one for a while, at least. It's going to take place in July, in August, in high summer. It's going to get overshadowed, you'd think, by the Ashes. But, well, the Ashes can't get played all around the country at all times. So, uh, if we get a nice summer, if we get some good weather, I expect the grounds to be packed. We already know, for example, that Lords on Thursday has sold out for Middlesex's game. And who knows, we may be seeing Owen Morgan. Wouldn't that be a thing? Four days after his finest triumph trotting out to a hero's welcome at Lords. Uh, but let's let's go straight into the game that really catches the eye this week and use it really as a springboard to take a look at the North Group. Uh, last year's champions, Worcestershire, taking on the favourites, Nottinghamshire. And there's good reason, is there not, why Nottinghamshire are favourites. They're just always terrific at, at this format. And playing at Trent Bridge, I don't know why, it just it feels like it gives them a bit of an advantage. Those pitches are fantastic. They've got really strong batting line-up. Uh, you get some quite fun, fervid nights of entertainment at Trent Bridge. But, as I say, they're playing against Worcestershire, who were surprise winners last year, Matt. Yeah, I think they probably were surprise winners. I think they were pretty long odds at the start of the tournament. And even going into finals day, they were, they were outsiders out of the four teams. Um, I think... They're actually arguably a little bit stronger than the side that won last year. They've lost Joe Clark, uh, who will obviously be playing against his old team on Thursday night. Adds a little bit of drama to it. Um, but they've got Wayne Parnell as a coal pack uh, rather than an overseas, which opens up being able to play Guptill and Ferguson uh, at the top of the order. Um, and, I, you know, there's a handful of these young young bowlers that did well for them last year. The Josh Tongues and, obviously, the, the superstar of last season, the star from nowhere, Pat Brown, who... Uh, you know, should be a year older, a year stronger, a year more canny. Um, You've been in touch with him. How, how does he feel about this coming season? Is he um, is he is he filled with confidence? I mean, he was a breakout star last year, Pat Brown. I don't think many people could really sort of process what it was that he was doing, but whatever it was he was doing, he was doing it fantastically well. Yeah, I mean, he. he I think having spoken to him, that he he is quite a uh, a laid back sort of guy for his age. I think he's very much taking everything that's happened to him in his stride and I think also he's had the grounding of having he, he, he actually played uh, through most of last summer with a sort of mild what he thought was a mild back injury which turned out to be a stress fracture 
Um, Not another one. So he was out for a lot of the winter. He thought that he might have been able to play in the Big Bash where there was some interest. And he signed up for the Bangladesh Premier League and that didn't end up happening. Um, but instead, he spent most of the winter back at Worcester Uni, started finishing off his, uh, his business management degree. And he's had a very sort of quietish start to the season, really. I think he played four games in the One Day Cup and isn't in the championship side. So I think for that sort of player, and there's a lot of them around the country, who are, you know, T20 is their thing, and uh, getting back to it is something that they've been looking forward to for you know over two months now. You've got Harry Gurney will be playing in that game on Thursday as well. Hasn't played any cricket what, for a long time. What do these guys do in between? I mean, are they, are they playing? Are they playing club cricket? I mean, it's a, it's the weirdest thing when you're a cricketer. And you're an English cricketer. I know I'm an old, an old git, but you sort of thought, hooray, April is around the corner, I can start to play cricket. But we're now talking about T20 specialists who, uh, their red letter day is circled as the 18th of July. I mean, that seems bizarre, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, um, well, it depends a lot on the person. So we talk about Gurney, he obviously, he has a young family, he spent most of the winter away playing in various leagues. I think a lot of it has been sort of coming back and spending some time with the family and running his pub business and all that sort of thing. Um, for Brown, I think, again, it, you know, depending on circumstance, but I think he's played a lot of twos cricket. I think he's played some club cricket. Um, and then you have, you know, the other side of the coin, you have Alex Hales, who won't have played for two months since he had a couple of games at the end of the one-day one, one day cup following his, uh, his deselection, as I think we meant to call it, from the World Cup squad. And uh, I think he's been sort of travelling around, going on holiday a bit, a bit of training here and there, and... You know, living the life, I suppose. Um, I, when you put it like that, it sounds a particularly likable way to to <laughs> exist. Uh, let, let's take a look at a few other teams in that North group because I think both of us are fairly sure that Notts and uh, Worcestershire look set fair to have decent campaigns. You would imagine this year, although you can never be too sure. Uh, I guess I'm really interested in the likes of Yorkshire and and Lancashire because we can't entirely avoid the truth of the fact that the 100 is coming up around the corner um, Yorkshire don't necessarily get the biggest crowds for T20 except when they're playing Lancashire or, or really close rivals perhaps against say Notts uh, be good to see them kicking on because they do have they've got good young players they've got uh, the starting I think to recover from I was going to say the post Gillespie years I mean really mm. it was just the fact that it's cyclical cricket is it not and they were a strong side, and then as those players gradually, gradually drift away, having to really create a whole new team. But they feel to me they've been riding fairly high in the county championship. That can sometimes filter through into confidence in, within the T20 side. Uh, and on the other side, the Pennines, Lancashire, I always think that Lancashire are set up for T20. They've got some huge hitters. Liam Livingston, for example, would be lovely to see him back on the horse so to speak he was playing for England not that long ago where, where do you rate those two sides yeah I think they'll both both be there or thereabouts uh, in terms of quarterfinal contention Yorkshire um, have a slightly strange situation of not really having an overseas player for most of it they have Nicholas Puran for five games um, but this is the perennial problem of the blast isn't it that people float in for a couple of weeks at a time and then uh, then disappear back after whatever else they fancy doing um, but other than that, they're, they're just a domestic squad. But having said that, they, they've recruited reasonably well over the winter. Will Frayne's been pulling up trees in the championship. Uh, then you have these sort of nuggety cricketers like Matthew Pillins, who's 
you know, a, a pretty useful T20 player. He, he can bowl fast at the death and he can take the new ball as well. He can bowl short in the middle overs. They've got Don Best for the first half of the tournament as a spinner. He's got plenty to prove with the white ball, especially. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think Yorkshire have, have reason to be reasonably confident. Um, Lancashire, again, had a, had a bizarre season last year where they sort of, despite reaching finals day and being you know, a, a freak Ben Cox innings away from the final didn't really look quite right. You never really backed them. But, uh, you know, it's impossible to rule out a team with Glenn Maxwell probably opening the batting for, I think, 14 games. He's missed out on that preliminary Ashes squad. Um, and, I, you know, he's one of, one of, if not the best T20 batsmen in the world for my money. And uh, him, James Faulkner, uh, if they can get some of the bowling, bowlers like Gleeson and Mahmood on the park, I think they're a pretty useful side. Saki Mahmood, I'd tell you that that lad has got some serious wheels. I saw him out in Barbados in the North B South games about 18 months ago, and he rapid when he gets it mm. right. He's a little bit too lengthed. I'd say uh, either short or very full mm. but my word he's got pace and as you say Maxwell Faulkner they, they've got to be a side you've got to worry about especially if you supplement that with like say Gleeson Livingston uh, Maxwell's obviously really up for it as well because it was only what three days or so after Australia were dumped out of the World Cup that he was appearing playing county cricket for Lancashire and taking four wickets with his off spinners so He's obviously relishing it in some way. That's not always the case for overseas players. We'll talk a little bit more detail about that later. But he's a huge marquee signing. The teams that don't uh, that have got a lot of, I suppose, um, they've got a lot to catch up. Let's think here on the likes of Durham. There's no more points being deducted anymore for Durham. They start with a clean slate. All they've got to do is is play their cricket and win their matches. But uh, Durham looked to me to be in a spot of bother. Have they signed? Have they got signings there that, that might be able to to lift them from the doldrums? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of sides, they're slightly dependent on what happens with Ashes call-ups because Bancroft would be quite a useful man to have as possibly a keeper batsman uh, in their team. Plus, Darcy Short is the uh, the big signing there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Short goes at a ground with enormous uh, square boundaries because it's you know in a tournament where the average run rate was something like 9.6 last season Durham were on a generally played on pretty horrible tracks there were some some real slow wickets I remember in their quarter final against Sussex they were on a real a, a green top a slow one where you really had to you didn't get much value for your shots um, and they, they've had a pretty mixed time of it in the championship this season they've, they've got a lot of players coming through the academy they've got Ben Rain back who who uh, scored a very quick hundred at batting six or seven for Leicestershire last season, and is a pretty useful player in this format. But I don't know. I think I think it'll be tricky unless Short and Bancroft can form some kind of partnership at the top of the order for them to get through. And Northampton, my they're always my favourites. By favourites, I don't mean I think they're going to win, but I have a I have a deep love of the cuddly cuddly crew from Northampton. Yeah, North can Hans. they get it back? I mean, there was a time when it, they were bossing T Twenty cricket in this country, but it's just been on the slide of late. They've made three signings uh, this in, in recent weeks. Well, for the blast, I should say, uh, that are some of the most North Ant signings you can possibly imagine. There's Dwayne Pretorius, the, the South African all-rounder, who scored a very, very quick 70-odd against Sri Lanka in a T20 a few months ago. And, you know, it, it didn't particularly wow in the World Cup, but is exactly the sort of player that you get at North Ants. These, these seam bowling all-rounders, he can smack it miles and do a job with the ball. 
then Fahim Ashraf, who is uh, who missed out on Pakistan's World Cup squad, but should not be underrated as a T20 bowler. He's <coughs> regularly been one of the top handful of wicket takers in the PSL in the past couple of years for Islamabad United, and he's a serious bowler at the death. And then the most North Ant signing of all on a loan deal, it had to be. This is not, it's not Dwayne Leverock. No. <laughs> Matt Coles, just oh Pico, yes, who, who last year, having joined Essex as county champions, being the, the missing piece that was going to take them to white ball success as well as red, went at eleven and a half and over. And if you look at his career stats in T Twenty, I think he's averaging single figures with the bat and going at nine with the ball. It's a crying shame because you know there's clearly a player in there um, who, who can be so much more than that. He can you know pinch it and he can bowl at the death and he can really be a match winner for Northamptonshire but I don't know if there's any place where Matt Coles is ever going to fulfil his potential it feels like it should be Northampton's I, I think you're absolutely spot on that could be the rejuvenation of Matt Coles I saw him score an incredible almost match winning 100 against Surrey in a, a 50 over game and you saw the power of his hitting the cleanliness of that hitting it would be lovely to see him come back um, just to finish up on the North group any surprises do you think we might be in store for those of us for the, well I say us but those out there who sort of slightly disregard Leicestershire and Derbyshire and don't really think that they're going to make it through do, do you see do you see a surprise being sprung I'd be stunned if Leicestershire um, make it through I, I don't really think they've uh, built on the side they had last year which wasn't actually too bad but they, they you know they've if you look at the players they've lost thinking Rain, Chapel, Patini, Delport, Mabby, all gone, and they've their only overseas player at the moment is Mohamed Avas, who's not really a T20 bowler. So I'd be quite surprised. Although um, I keep an eye on Aaron Lilly, who was quite an underrated player in his time at Lancashire, batting usually three and bowling a few offies here and there. And I think he's 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 a useful sort of player. He might do a job. Um, other than that. Derbyshire have Billy Stanlake who's always always an entertaining guy to watch I, I, I apologise I've forgotten that he's withdrawn um, if they don't even have Billy Stanlake I don't know how they're going to get through um, and other than that I think we've pretty much well Birmingham they're always, they're always going to be there thereabouts aren't they I mean they'll compete um, yeah. but I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that they're going to make, make it through um so Matt, I'm going, to, I'm going to force you into, into predictions in the North Group then straight away because we we will have this on record, yeah. And we will sh- we shall revisit this on finals day, yeah. And mark you out of ten. So who are your four qualifiers from the North Group? Uh, well, let's have Notts to top the group, Lanks second, Yorkshire third, and Worcester scrape through fourth. Oh, I love it! Superb. What about oh, you? you can give me one, two, three, four. Um. I always think that there's a surprise in store somewhere along the line. There always is in T20 Blast, it seems to me. Somebody just sneaks in that you don't expect, kind of a weird Derbyshire arrival, you know. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Derbyshire this year. Out of the ones you've given me, I think Birmingham Bears will get in just ahead of Yorkshire. Otherwise, I'm I'm pretty much with you on that. Um, Now let's take a look at the South Group. They kick off at Lord's with a match between Middlesex and Essex which is on paper glorious all matches between Middlesex and anybody at Lords and T20 Blast are on paper absolutely glorious because there are 28,000 sellouts frequently and you always well you often do get a great night's entertainment but Middlesex fans will probably try to remind me that they haven't always had the best of times in the T20 Blast over the years and with that in mind we sent our talking T20 team 
to have a chat with former Middlesex coach Daniel Vittori. The thing that I will say about the Blast is I think it is the most aggressive uh, competition that I've seen out of all the ones I've been involved in. I, I, the players just, just go. They're, they're, they're there to go as hard as they can, as quickly oh. as they can. It's actually it's great to watch. And you get these, some of these young players who are probably not big names mm. coming through. The, the uh, Philip Salter, I think it is. Mm. Livingston coming yeah. into it. Um, the other opener from uh, Laurie Evans from Laurie Sussex. Evans, yeah. Yeah. So He's done very well, actually. Yeah, so there's players like that who are just, when you watch them play, you go, oh, where'd this come from? And they're so mm. aggressive and they take mm. the game on. And I think that's probably a byproduct of the way that England's played over the last little while. And then also, I think the, the ground size is playing to that a little bit, where you can get away with a couple of dot balls and mm. then go 6-6-6. Six, six, six. And I think... Do you mean in terms of just the scoring rate or the intensity of the intensity? Yeah. I think there's there's not a lot of balls off. It's it's all go. Mm. Um, we played Somerset last year, and I think by the end of the power play, they were we had them four for thirty five, <laughs> and they made two hundred and twenty or something like that. <laughs> they just kept coming, and and mm. I think that's the that's the nature of it. And I think it's because they get fourteen games. They've had fourteen games, and probably a lot of them are quite experienced now because mm. they've, they've played. T20 career for a long time, so therefore they know the impact they can have over one or two games if they keep going with that with that method. So yeah. it's quite an exciting competition. I think the franchise nature with the hundred ball will be fascinating to watch, um, and I know they're going to run the still have a T20 comp yeah. at the same time. Um, but I really like the style of play in there because it's mainly a domestic game. There's a, there's a real willingness to, to buy into things and try things, mm-hmm. and they they want to learn. They want to. Um, get better, but ultimately I, I walked away from the blast thinking this is just a really aggressive brand of cricket and it's, mm. it's great to watch. So Matt, how is it possible how is it possible that Middlesex can have had such a torrid time in T20 Blast? They have sell-out crowds, um, the best players must want to come <laughs> and play because they're playing at Lords, they get a fantastic atmosphere. It, it just befuddles me really. Uh, before it was a little bit why Surrey and Middlesex aren't always striding high at the top of the South Group but they're not frequently and Middlesex particularly have underachieved over the years Yeah I think it's realistically been a case that uh, Middlesex have typically prioritised the championship as uh, you know that's that's what they care about really I think until 2016 until that victory they realised that that was what they were always after plus I think there's there's an extent to which playing at Lords and knowing that you're going to sell it out regardless of how badly you seem to do um, probably breeds a certain complacency in terms of the recruitment so I think if you look at how they've how they've recruited for the Blast over the past few years it's almost always been a case of having one marquee name so a Gilchrist a, a, a McCullum a Dwayne Bravo and this year at De Villiers who you know he is one of the be- he remains one of the best T20 batsmen in the world, probably in the top five. And he's you know he he's he will get people to come and watch because they want to go and see Avi de Villiers. But at the same time, he's coming for six games. He's going to be paid God knows how much money for that. Um, and unless this sort of by some weird process of osmosis, he manages to uh, get his talents to wear off on. Nick Gubbins and Stevie Eskenazi then I don't really think that's going to help them in the long term I mean this availability thing is going to hurt them because on paper a top four of Sterling Malan AB and Morgan sounds about as dream 11 as you can get 
Um, but realistically, are they going to play two games together, three if you include Morgan's Arlen, uh, sorry, Sterling's Arlen commitments, Freudian Slipper? Well, indeed. <laughs> well, indeed. indeed. Um, who knows? I mean, now, now Morgan's won the World Cup with England, he may, he may consider repatriating. Uh, it's, uh, it's a question I was going to put to you. Do you see Morgan being available for all of this, this tournament? I mean, especially after the high, the incredible high of that. World Cup final uh, might he even turn out as, as soon as Thursday it, it's a very tricky situation um, I was at Lords this morning for a press conference with Andrew Strauss um, who gave his, his take on that and said that Morgan needs to take a bit of time sit and reflect what does he want to achieve from now um, as a cricketer um, because he's, he's 32 he probably won't lead in the 2023-50 over World Cup Um but he could be in the T20 World Cup team next year if he's in the best 11 and he could be captain if he wants to be and if he has that drive to be. If I were Owen Morgan, I think I would probably retire from international cricket and I would probably take a couple of weeks holiday and then play the back back end of the blast and he's playing in the Euro Slam and he'll... I'd probably, you know... Milk, Canada. I, yeah, I'd milk, the, uh, I'd milk the T20 circuit for as long as I possibly could but perhaps that shows the difference between, uh, you know, my, my character and Owen Morgan's. Um, but to hold to hold both white ball trophies at the top level, it's the true. World Cup and the World T Twenty, that's got to be that has to be a, a tempter, and it isn't that long away now, is it? I mean, it's about sixteen months or so until the World T Twenty in Australia. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I mean, personally, I'm not convinced that Morgan gets into England's best T Twenty side. I think if you if you bear in mind that Butler will open, so Roy, uh, sorry, so Bairstow probably comes into the middle middle order. If you bear in mind that they're hoping to bring through Billings and Joe Clark eventually when he's available for selection again. If you think that Moeen had a brilliant IPL batting in those middle overs as a sort of floater coming in 12th, 13th over. Ben Stokes is in there. There's there's a lot of names who are probably, for me, slightly better in T20 cricket in that they're not... They, they Morgan has this slight problem where he get, turns get up... Get this, listener. <laughs> you know, you don't get a lot of thanks from the young these days. Owen Morgan <laughs> just led... Not even his own country. He's sacrificed <laughs> his own country to lead this country to World Cup glory, and Matt Roller's already asking him to go into international retirement. Yeah, get rid of him right now. No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's it's a, it's a you know it's it's um it's always sad when people ruin a legacy by bowing out at the wrong time when they're on the way down. So why why not just decide to call it quits when you're right at the very top? Well, that that, that is indeed a thought. So. Um, what Middlesex have gone and done yet again is keep their eye on batsmen at the top of the order, having lovely top four. But what have we learned about T20? Surely over the last few years we've learned that the sides that have the strongest bowling attacks tend to come out on top. And to wit, Sussex in the South group, who are my favourites again. I think they will It will not be as easy for them because Jofra Archer, we would expect to play quite a bit of Ashes cricket, which will mean he's, he's out for basically the whole of the blast, really. Mm because of the way the Ashes has been set up this year and indeed the Blast but they will still have a strong bowling lineup. they'll have Tamal Mills and they're not Rashid Khan um, Rashid is an interesting one actually his availability is a real question mark he originally signed to play the first half of the groups um, in anticipation of the CPL being earlier and him being in it and then decided against going to the CPL and is now playing the Euro Slam instead so there's some kind of gap in his schedule. We may yet see Rashid Khan for the whole of the group stage. Um, well, that'll be a massive bonus for Sussex. 
What Sussex could do with Deering, I'd say, is they're preparing pitches that suit them a little bit better. Last year, they were really good on the road, really terrible at home. Um, I can't remember. I think Timar Mills was telling me this that they they won their last five away games or something, but they'd lost four or five home games. It's it's strange, isn't it? There's something about that that hove pitch. It's kind of slow and a little bit grabby and doesn't get a lot of bounce. And when you've got the likes of mm. Mills with his real pace. And actually, Rashid Khan benefits from pace. They could just do with injecting a bit more life, couldn't they, into their own surfaces? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, also, um, I, I think they, they will also plan to have turning tracks. They've got a lot of players, like Alex Carey's obviously meant to be floating in, depending on Ash's availability. Well, Laurie Evans is a good player of spin. You've got plenty of guys who can who can knock it about in the middle middle overs. Delray Rawlins as well was has hit, hit a championship hundred off ninety nine balls this week, where he's been smashing Matt Parkinson over over his head. And he won't hang thing. about, won't Delray Rawlins? He won't. Yeah, I think he's he's one just to keep a little bit of an eye on this year. I think he's you know you don't see you've not heard too much about him since finals day until the last few weeks or so. But he's he's come into form at just the right time, hopefully for. Um, for a good blast, but yeah, I, th- I think Sussex are again a good side. They've uh, they, there's a few, they've got their, their typical uh, addition of someone who could do with getting their career back on track. And Reese Topley as well, who, who spent a lot of time out of the game over the winter and was training with various people trying to get back to fitness after Hampshire released him. And he's he, yeah, he's just the sort of guy that if he if he manages to stay fit and Gillespie is the sort of coach that will manage him well and will. Uh, work out, you know, work out some kind of plan about his workload. He could be a real handful. It's not so long since he was the next big thing in white ball cricket for England. Absolutely, and England have wanted a left armour for some time, and I think they were quite reluctant in leaving David Willey out of their World Cup squad and bringing in Jofra Archer. But um, you would imagine that the likes of Liam Plunkett might not be available for consideration for a World T20, and if Rhys Topley goes well for a side that's going well as well then he could be making a late nudge into that World T20, as I say, in only 16 months' time or so. Other teams to look out for, the South Group, fans of teams in the South Group have always traditionally made out that it's a much, much tougher group. Um, I don't think the stats entirely bear that out, but on paper it feels like it, doesn't it? Because you've got some really big guns in that group. You've got Surrey, uh, Sussex we've talked about, Hampshire who've had, well, they're just mint with a white ball, Essex, who have terrific nights at Chelmsford, some of the best T20 nights you'll ever get are down there. Um, you feel that they're going to compete. You also feel that there's an inevitability to Glamorgan winning at the Oval for reasons that you can never make any sense of. And Glamorgan, a resurgent this year in the county championship. So I'd be fascinated to know if they can come through maybe in T20, because they're definitely a club with a lot of confidence coursing through them at the moment. Um, where where are your tips there? Who are the guys to cut for? And who are the big signings in the South Group that you want to alert us to? Well, I'm going to have I'm going to say that none of the above is the team that I think you should watch out for a bit more in the in the South Group and Somerset. You should keep an eye on for sure. Babarazam is signed for uh, for the whole of the group stage, which is a, a, a good signing, and I think they're they're going to slightly change up the game plan this year because they, they last year was based around not really caring if they lost three wickets in the power play because they scored so quickly. Then James Hildreth from Tom Abel knocking about in the middle overs and Corey Anderson and Lewis Gregory doing silly things at the end. This year, I think Babar will probably try and play the anchor role. I think he'll probably score an, a, a, a stupendous number of runs. Uh, he always seems to. He, he, he's 
the best man in the world if you want someone to get 65 or 50 and then I think people like Tom Banton and Peter Trigo are going to bat around him um, I'm, I'm interested to see how they go they've signed Jerome Taylor again as an overseas which is a slightly odd pick given he's towards the end of his career and hasn't played much much cricket full stop in the past 12 months but um, yeah and the, the, there's always these T20 players at Somerset like Max Waller and Rola van der Merwe who are always good to give you the odd win here and there and will always do a certain job for you so, so I think, Somerset's yeah, your side I think so you're going for them at the top give me give me your 2-3-4 um, I think Sussex <coughs> are probably number 2 for me um, I have a feeling about Essex this year um, and I have a feeling about Kent this year. So I think Essex have signed very well. They've got Zampa, Mohamed Amir and Cameron Delport um, as three blast-only picks. They were they were awful last year. They won two games, I think, and just played a brand of T20 last-spotted in about 2005. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I, I, I sort of see the ingredients there for a bit of a challenge. Um, and Kent, you know, it depends a little bit on Joe Denley and whether he's in England contention, but... They've got Adam Milne, they've got Hardisville Yearn, they've got Mohamed Nabi, um, and then there's all these guys like Alex Blake who will probably yeah. fly under the radar, but he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll hit a 17 ball 45 at some point. Yeah, and, and you know everyone will, no one will expect it because he won't have done anything for five games beforehand. But I, I remember there was a game I would, would have been to in 2015, I think, at the Rays Bowl where. Kent were 70 for 5 say at halfway and he managed to get 70 or 30 something along those lines and you know he, he's just good for a couple of those every tournament I think they've got a lot of players like that there's you know there's a, the Kuhn is always going to score you some runs Bell Drummond at the top of the order is a useful player in white ball cricket so I think they'll sneak through and forth um, I'm obviously slightly biased but I'm I just want to put in a word for the box office Surrey this year with Imran Tahir going berserk and taking his wickets and Will Jacks. If Will Jacks gets going, uh, he well, he, he could produce some of the most scintillating and uh, eye-catching innings of the summer. He's perfectly suited to this format. And sorry, I think we'll need him to be because uh, having lost Ollie Pope through injury and Jason Roy probably mysteriously to the England testing. We'll wait to see, but that seems to be the word on the street at the moment. Um, they are just a little bit down on power so they're going to need jacks I would think uh, they'll have the current brothers back and they also need to get a little bit of a turnaround in their season which has gone very flat owing to uh, England call-ups and quite a few injuries so um, that's the South Group we've done the North Group we've done the South Group let's just have a little little look at your big big signings are there who are the big signings that are staying for the whole season because this is as you alluded to already the T20 Blast is sort of squeezed isn't it it's squeezed because it's so long so it's tough for overseas players to play in it for all those 14 matches and then finals day isn't until late September Uh, there's the money to be made from the Euro Slam which is I don't know I don't know how well organised it is because the press releases I get are in a really unusual typeface <laughs> and I, I find that strange and then there's this tournament in Canada so um, and with the ashes looming over it mm. completely as, as a canopy uh, do you think that there's a danger that the, the tournament's not really going to break out because it doesn't have enough stars or do you think there's going to be enough star quality just to lift it I, I'm, I've typically over over the years been a real apologist for the blast and I don't see any reason to change that in the last year when it's the real 
star bit of the domestic summer. Um, what I do think is a worry, and I think what will worry the ECB looking forward to the 100 as well, is this Canadian League where you know, you'd like to think the way this has been scheduled straight after the World Cup that there will be a lot more real stars of it staying on. But Faf Duplessis, Shaki Bahasan, Kane Williamson, Andre Russell, Chris Gale, all gone to Canada. Um, for a league that's being played in the on the outskirts of Brampton, which is not the most glorious of venues, and you, you'd, you'd like to think, wouldn't you, in, in a dream world that counties would have the budgets to get people in, and th- the lure of playing at big grounds in front of uh, crowds would have have uh, have a little bit more to it than it seems to. But I think the, uh, the the prospect of just going to Canada, earning a lot of money for three weeks' work, and spending a bit of time on the beach is. It is there so it, it's it's a tricky one in terms of big big stars we do still have you know Aaron Finch Babar Azam Glenn Maxwell for the whole tournament Imran Tahir Mujib is playing for Middlesex you know there's there's, there's and always any, and any AB de Villiers is, is worth getting your eyes on because he's not going to be around for that much longer you wouldn't have thought so you've, yeah. just, you've just got to get down and watch it Middlesex are playing one game at Richmond when de Villiers is there which could be something else I mean I, I remember seeing McCullum had about 90 odd there and not timing a single ball because the boundaries were so small and everything flying yeah. into the tennis court off miss, miss hits so God God only knows what De Villiers can do at that sort of ground but. Well the other thing is of course that those grounds are the ones where the pitches traditionally have been a bit more of a road This looking around this season as well actually it's a lot of Arundel and Merchant Taylor's school whereas the World Cup was played out on some pretty awkward surfaces do you think looking at that 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 pattern's going to de- to develop through into the T20 blast, or is that just because the pitch has got a bit tired? They're being used a lot, but those, those, are, I mean, twelve pitches were used, or twelve grounds, I should say, mm. were used for the World Cup, and yeah. not many of them produced really sort of run feasting wickets. The Oval did a little bit, I guess. Um, Old Trafford, there were a couple of high scores. Edgebaston, a couple of high scores, but there are a lot of quite low scores. Yeah, the, the science or maybe even the art of pitch preparation remains something of a mystery to me. I, I was convinced that the World both, Cup baby. was. I was convinced the World Cup would be played on a lot flatter decks. I thought the weather was going to suit a you know a, a, a high scoring tournament. I, I wasn't quite thinking five hundred as some people said in the build up, but I, you know two eighty, two ninety as an average score rather than two forty five or whatever it ended up as. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't feel too well placed to say it, but I I, I imagine that most of the smaller grounds will continue to prepare the roads that we usually see in the blast. I mean, there's a reason it's been such a high-scoring T20 tournament, and it's it's not only that players are aggressive and that people keep going and no-one's afraid of attacking. It is also that boundary sizes are relatively small compared to overseas and pitches are typically flat. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, typically the blast has been slightly better for teams defending scores than chasing um, which is slightly against the global trend in T20 but yeah I, I can I can see that pattern continuing this year any any different tactics we should look out for anything a bit unusual any kind of innovation I mean the thing that stood out for me at the World Cup was how um, how, how sort of um, how mainstream matchups have become I mean it was typically a thing that captains like Roa Sharma would use in the IPL where you'd have a spe- you'd have a set of stats about a specific batsman having a specific weakness against the bowler type and uh, you know targeting that whereas I think that is now just completely part of mainstream cricketing discourse I remember um, a few weeks ago Jared Kimber wrote a piece for the site um, after the New Zealand Australia game at Lords which was sort of 
Rohit Sharma's captaincy played out onto a, a game that you know Rohit Sharma wasn't even part of. But people, you know, Steve Smith bowling off spin against left-handers because someone had a weakness against the ball turning away, etc. And you know, it's it, I, I think that the, uh, the the level of analysis in county cricket is is probably now good enough that people will start doing that, and people are now trusting analysts in a way they didn't maybe three, four, five years ago. If you speak to a couple of people who are involved in counties, they'll tell you the same thing that. They, they were always the outsider for a few, you know, in 2014 or whatever. Someone says, you should bowl off spin against this guy. And anecdotally, anecdotally they'll say, no, 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 he smashes spin. That's what he does. But if you actually look at the, the detail, which they're now, which captains are now trusting and coaches are now trusting when they get it from the analysts, um, I, th- I think people will take that on board. Um, the other thing I think we'll probably see is the odd person playing as a sort of floater. So in this role, I was talking about Moeen playing for uh, RCB, where uh, yeah. their job is to come in and bash spin regardless what stage of the innings it is. So you know you get and you get some weird people doing this. Like Lancashire used Keaton Jennings in that role last year, where they said we want Jennings to come in ideally just at the end of the power play, maybe in the seventh over, and bat till over about thirteen and score at seven and over, and just hide the fact that some of our middle and lower order are slightly weaker against spin. Whereas, I, I you know previously teams have been surprisingly unflexible in their batting orders and have said right this is the order we go in maybe we bring someone up as a late overs hitter but that's that and I think you'll have teams continuing to do that I think Jake Livy will probably do that and not um, so yeah I think those are the two main things anything for you well I just look forward to it panning out I'm looking forward to see um, what it can do to to make a noise and what is its last sort of major season and it always does it always finds a way does the T20 Blast it always produces this thrilling entertainment uh, I've commentated on loads and loads of matches in it and it never ceases to amaze me if you go to the right places if you go to Cheltenham Cheltenham sorry Chelmsford <laughs> if you go to Chelmsford and Hove uh, to a degree Canterbury the Oval Lords uh, Old Trafford on certain nights Trent Bridge on certain nights Taunton especially you just get a really wonderful and, and Bristol what wonderful atmospheres um, the weather needs to hold to make it really really strong but I'm really intrigued in, in checking out these tactics because I think that is the obvious thing that T20 is going to give to the wider cricket community is we spend too much time thinking at top level stats nothing like enough digging down into to matchups and who succeeds against whom uh, it's a brutal business but Matt Roller, thank you ever so much for joining us. We will be back next week with analysis of the games that will have happened. If you can get to a game, make sure you do, of course. Um, Nottinghamshire, Worcestershire looks like an absolute humdinger, but Middlesex, Essex as well, uh, Lords, there are plenty more. Check out the fixtures, the main page for the T20 Blast on the ESPN Quick Info site. But until then, from Matt Roller, goodbye. Thanks for listening. And from me, Daniel Norcross. Until next week, that's Talking T20. Talking T20.